four parks reopen, one park recloses, and one park is saying goodbye to a few of its opening day attractions. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave where he's still trying to find a mask that will fit both a turkey leg and a pickle underneath it at the same time. The man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. hey and I believe that's a bra. Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Henry, dude, we got to break out of this alternate COVID timeline, man. I think I'm. I think I'm just about done. I've hit my limit. Uh, I've been done, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I feel like uh, I feel like any moment now, I'm going to turn a corner, look up, and see just that big neon sign for Biff Tannen's Pleasure Paradise, dude. <laughs> That's where we're at. Where it's like, dude, we've got to find George McFly. We've got to find George McFly. Oh, George McFly's dead, but we got to find Doc. Doc's got to get us out of here. Then we're gonna end up in the old west. <laughs> well. If if there's something to be done, it needs to be done ASAP. <laughs> Dude. Dude, it is it is so weird. And the fact that we are celebrating the original Disneyland's 65th year in existence, uh, and with it being, you know, only one of two Disney resorts that aren't currently open, uh, it just is not helping my just general feeling of yeah, just alternate timeline, uh, mere universe. I mean, I've definitely grown the beard and the goatee of the mere universe as well. So, yeah, I don't, dude. Are we talking? To, it is, it is cranking. Are we on, talking to evil Julian? <laughs> dude, I, that's, that, that's the thing. I feel like, like evil and, you know, normal universe have just merged into one. I don't know if that ever happened at any point in the uh, original Star Trek, but that's where it never we're happened, but. But Goatee Spock was was pretty cool. <laughs> he was pretty cool looking. Definitely was. It was like Beatnik Spock. You expected that he would be, you know, in a uh, in a black turtleneck and and uh, snapping his fingers. Oh, now you're just hauling back to his uh, his musical days of of the Bilbo Baggins song. <laughs> <laughs> I referenced it earlier today, so it was fresh on topic. <laughs> oh man, number two, two for two, not bad. <laughs> well, uh, well, this is not an original Star Trek podcast. This is definitely a uh, a theme park podcast, but original. It's, it's only just a matter of time before Disney also owns the IP of Star Trek, and then it's then then we're all on board. <laughs> That'd actually be pretty cool. But uh, <laughs> we'd finally get that that Star Wars Star Trek crossover that everyone everyone's been calling for and nobody really wants. <laughs> It'd be kind of crazy, but it might be interesting. I think it would be interesting just because it would it would exist, and then that would probably you like. There's no way that execution is going to be good, right? Like, 
<laughs> be like, you know, it's uh, it's like when Freddie met Jason and everyone was like, yeah, man, like this is what we've always wanted. And then we kind of got it. And it's like, what is Destiny's Child in this movie? Like, what what is going on? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I was ever on board for that. It just, I don't know, horror movies have never been my thing. And I don't see how that would have even panned out or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, it, it may be a few more years till uh, till Star Trek uh, gets purchased. But, you know, we, we got a little <laughs> bit more time there. But was it a little weird for you that, um, you know, that Disney didn't even really, I mean, I guess they did acknowledge it, but, you know, just because the park is closed, because, you know, their focus is elsewhere, obviously, um, you know, it just, it felt very anticlimactic. Usually you would think, you know, especially kind of, you get one of those mid decade birthdays. It's always, always feels like it's such a big deal whenever it comes to, uh, just, I mean, any kind of Disney park birthday, but especially like the original Disney park birthday, it just, it just felt weird to me anyway. I'm curious if you felt the same that like, uh, you know, they pretty much, they pretty much sent something out beforehand that was like, hey, yeah, it's, you know, we got this birthday coming up. Yay for us. Uh, Downtown Disney won't be really doing anything, though. So, you know, get your expectations in check. Look forward to uh, maybe celebrating with all of you sometime in the near future. And that was pretty much it. I think the email said like, oh, and here's a recipe for like Walt's favorite chili. Yeah. Uh, you know, way to go. <laughs> it, was, it was like, it just felt super strange. Man. Yeah, no, it was strange. But I think that's also what caused that, uh, the, uh, the problems at World of Disney and Downtown Disney was they were selling the, oh, yeah. the 65th anniversary uh, gear. Wasn't that what they caused yeah. that? So they had that big rush with, and nobody was social distancing. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it first opened, I mean, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's weird. And then they've also been doing this. They've been doing an online, it's kind of like an auction system too for, for merch like that. So they also had a bunch of the 65th anniversary merch on the shop Disney website and they've had issues for a very long time with um i don't know what they are you know like people with bots basically just kind of claiming all of the limited edition items before anybody that isn't using a bot has a chance to get them <laughs> so people are usually like everything is sold out nobody ever gets one and then they end up like we were talking about with splash and like we were talking about with uh galaxy's edge merch like everything ends up on ebay for like you know an insane markup so they switched things up where you know there's like you have to enter in a lottery beforehand for each item that you're interested in and i heard that there were still issues with that where people were scalping and getting stuff still so I don't, I don't know what the solution is uh, for the online Disney shop or even the world of Disney shop for that matter, because it sounds like that, that, yeah, exactly. was a madhouse as well. So people are just, they just want that Disneyland now, man. They want those gates open. Yeah. I mean, I mean, me included, but I mean, I guess the, the good news, I guess the good thing is that people should come to understand is that with the 60th anniversary um we got i mean we went for the 60th 
uh, a couple of times. Uh, but because uh, I'm reminded of it, because not too long ago I went to see my parents, and uh, my father was wearing his uh, his his diamond anniversary uh, shirt we bought when when he went when we took my parents uh, that day. So uh, they it's something that they celebrate for like a year, anyways. Or so yeah. it's like you don't have to like freak out about you know i mean of course there's the limited gear that you want to get but like the celebration will continue more than just this month i mean although you know it always feels great to celebrate your birthday on your birthday but you know sometimes you need to wait a little bit you know (laughs) but uh yeah it is weird that they didn't i mean i've been seeing pictures here and there where they talk about like uh i mean they sent out a little bit of trivia knowledge about the uh opening day stuff like was the uh disney hotel did it was it open for the opening day and stuff like that and uh and i scored miserably on it i, I know, know like nothing <laughs> about like the opening day stuff uh so it's it's uh it wasn't right just a disneyland hotel was not open it was <laughs> it was it was huh. open that's what i that's because what that's what i thought i thought it wasn't open for day one but it was yeah i do know that like disneyland hotel was like it wasn't owned by disney it was owned by like one of his other business partner friends or something like that but yeah that uh that uh those were the days i guess but yeah, there was definitely, they had a lot of, I mean, all of their social accounts, obviously, were very active with, you know, that same clip that you that you always hear of the, uh, the kind of inauguration of the park. But yeah, it felt, I mean, hollow isn't the word that I would use, but it did kind of, I felt like there was something missing. And you're right. I think that their wording of like, hey, we'll celebrate, you know, we're hoping to celebrate later in the near future is probably you're right that it's they're gonna extend it out but it is one of those weird things like how far are we gonna extend things out man like when when are these parks gonna be open i think maybe there was a there was a time when uh when i think we were all expecting like oh it'll be a few months or something like that i mean obviously it did have that original reopening date we were supposed to be reopened on uh friday but yeah clearly not the case getting pushed out so I don't know, man. Who knows? I guess it, it, it 65th is not the same. I know that Disney World is celebrating their 50th in uh, next year in 2021. So I'm sure they're hoping that, that things are going to be a little more mellow by then for sure. But yeah, I don't know. We got we got we got a couple birthdays that we got to celebrate, man. I want to get out there. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like wanting to go than to like, you know, celebrate the you know, I was there for the 60th. I want to be there for 65th for sure. You know, it's uh, any kind of big celebration. I want to be there. I mean, I just want to be there, period, anyway. So this just makes it even the more so. And then, you know, and also with like Halloween coming up. And I think we're just getting like cagier, I guess, you know, just because yeah. of all this shut in and. You can't do anything and it's even more limited now since like you know for us the 
the mall reshut down. So, you know, and now my wife is furloughed again for a second time. And, you know, things, things aren't, things were opening up and they're sh shutting back down again. And so that caginess is starting to come back and, you know, it's starting to get to people and, you know, yeah, it's, it's just like a lot of bad news, right? Like the data coming in, you, you are just like, damn, like it's just, you know, it, it is a, a wave after wave of just like, you know, things are not getting better here, but yeah, I mean, you know, to your point with things getting cagey too, you have to expect that like with each passing week that this park is to open, like, I feel like that opening day whenever it does reopen like that crowd is just gonna get bigger and bigger like people are just gonna get more and more feeling like they uh they need to get in those gates when they're able to man that that demand is just increasing even more and more as if it wasn't already high enough yeah but then it also makes me feel like watching some of these videos of stuff going on down in the oc and all the news coming out of there makes me feel like <laughs> yeah. even if they when they open up the wrong person is going to go and so i think they really need to like have things nailed down and insured because there's some people out there who just don't understand how this uh this virus poses such a risk and it's and it's real yeah yeah i mean if anything i think that to me that indicated like okay it's it may be a while before Disneyland opens. I mean, I don't think I don't I mean clearly we're not gonna have a you know, whether whether it be Disney that's that's kind of triggering this or the state, that same rush to open is not going to be shared between Disneyland and Disney World, right? Like yeah. that makes I think part of the caging is worse too, is that we are getting these reports from all of these other parks that are reopening. Um, and hearing about them and being like, yeah, yeah, that's what we want. That's what we want. Like even, even, you know, for me to like recognizes like, you know, it's, it's still pretty dicey that prospect to go to a, uh, a theme park in Florida right now. And you still do see those vlogs and, and read the reports and see the pictures. And it, it is like that, that kind of, uh, that FOMO is definitely kicking in of just like, oh, Man, I want to be there though. Like that looks so good. <laughs> that looks like that is that looks so much better than what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> you know, like I want this for the West Coast too, and it's just it's just not not happening. Not anytime soon. Not even the 65th birthday of Disneyland is gonna gonna do anything about that. Um, you know, it's it, an interesting. So the. Um, the LA Times had a really interesting piece, I thought, uh, about just kind of looking and contextualizing not just the 65th anniversary of Disneyland and, and kind of what it's meant to um, not just not just Southern California and LA and even California, but just the impact that it's had in uh, in the theme park industry, looking a little bit at that. But also they had this really great kind of piece uh, of that, of this kind of article where just kind of talking about what Disneyland is for a lot of people that live in Southern California in that LA area, something that you don't see at 
Disney World certainly is much. I mean, we we consistently talk about how Disneyland is kind of like a locals park and Disney World is kind of like a vacation park. The thing that Todd Martins, who wrote this article, did so well is he just really contextualized what exactly Disneyland kind of was for him and that it wasn't just kind of like a theme park where you kind of go and ride the rides or even go and just enjoy the food or go and enjoy the decorations. Like it really was kind of like a centering place for him. It was a place that he he went to when he felt kind of disjointed and, you know, he could kind of return to this, this place that really kind of gave this sense of calm and collectedness and just, um, and that just everything was going to be okay. It was a place that he came to like really concentrate and work because he knew that like the environments generally were going to be um, consistent that, you know, he didn't have to worry about just like crazy people or just kind of the frenetic nature of the world outside. And it really just was this place that he could kind of just, you know, focus on, um, on just a, a sense of calm. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. I mean, you know, I, I don't live in the area. We don't, we don't, we're not locals to Disneyland, but it's definitely easy to see how there's this, you know, if that, that if there is this place that kind of offers this, this sense of just kind of uh, consistency in terms of kind of just like a collected kind of good feeling, um, how that would be really attractive to anyone really, right? And so, uh, you know, like I said, I thought that that was that was a take and just certainly a way to contextualize a lot of what Disneyland is to certainly a lot of locals that that are there um, and really just, you know, write about it in a way that I think just really hasn't been done, or at least I haven't seen that perspective out there very much. So, you know, I, I think that's one of those things that's driving a lot of people crazy is that that's like they don't have that. And of course, right now we're at a point socially where like that's something that 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 area to get centered, that area to feel calm, that area to feel like things are going to be OK, where everyone kind of visiting is generally on the same page and in the same mindset of just like, yeah, we're, we're feeling good. We're here to have a good time. That's something that's just, that's needed and just not present <laughs> very much in the world right now. I definitely agree with that because I mean, we both have, uh, a friend down in who lives in the area down there and she goes there, uh, she's got a annual, annual pass and she goes and visits and, she rides a couple of rides, but she goes down there to draw and yeah. do her art because she's likes to see the, I mean, there's, you got all the different shapes of just the, the area, the park, but then you have the people walking around. And so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of life. It's a, it's a vibrant place, but it's also a familiar atmosphere, but then it's also like a contain a controlled atmosphere where as a guest you're you're meant to be there you know as a place of tourism 
in technically uh, of entertainment, the idea is that the guest is to have a, a good time and you're, you should be at ease. And that's one of the things that, you know, uh, Lori and I do when we go there, we don't rush. That's why we take so much time when we go and don't just go for like a couple of days. Generally we go for like a week so we can like just enjoy the surroundings, you know, be like it is a place where you like once you go you forget about like work because you know there's always there's always so much stress at work but you're there to have a good time with your family and your friends or whatnot so you 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 don't generally stress you can enjoy the environment and it's uh you know, as it is, they, they do a great job at, you know, kind of having setting this kind of a calmer atmosphere and entertainment still. So you can have fun, but you, it's not like a necessarily like because there's the different lands. You have areas even within, like, say, in New Orleans Square, it's a lot more calm area. But if you want like excitement, you can go into like Fantasyland or over to Tomorrowland, which you have more kind of things going on. It's more busy. Uh, but like New Orleans Square, you have like the nice trees, the kind of the shaded atmosphere. There's still stuff to do there, but it's not sensory overload for, you know, but uh, there's sure. it's it's a place where you can like calm yourself and, and really just enjoy the people you're with. And you can decide whether you're going to have fun or just like relax. There's a lot, there's a lot for you, for you there. So. Well, yeah, man. Well, ho hopefully we can get back to that soon. You know, it's take the, take all the time that uh, I guess we need. Of course, safety is, is uh, the number one priority as it should be right now. But you know, it's, uh, you know, it, when eventually it does open, I know that there's going to be a lot of people excited to celebrate this 65th uh, when they're able to. So, you know, as you pointed out, it's not like because we missed this specific date that it's going away. It, it, it'll be there. Patience, time, both uh, attributes that are feeling very slippery these days, but always important to uh to remind yourself that there it's going to open again and it's going to open when the time is right but uh but you know that being said it is certainly always possible that Disney's focus has been on you know other places where there is a little bit more action right now uh you know which is certainly the case with the reopening of both Hollywood Studios and Epcot both parks began welcoming back guests on the 15th, which means that all four parks at Walt Disney World are now open for business. And in general, you know, it's sounding like things continue to operate relatively smoothly with these reopenings. Uh, you know, uh, again, we're, we're based in California. We're not traveling to uh, Florida at the moment. So, uh, you know, we were able to pick up quite a bit of info from just various reports and and uh, vlogs and articles and all sorts of other stuff, trying to live vicariously through uh, as many people as we possibly could, at least speaking for myself. Uh, it sounded like, at least for Hollywood Studios, 
it definitely was repeatedly was repeatedly called out that uh, it felt like by far the most crowded of the parks. Um, and again, like you know, thinking back to that reservation system, and certainly like all of the first probably couple of months of the park being open, um, it was consistently the first park to sell. Out. So that excitement is definitely there for Hollywood Studios, or at least people wanting to get in. And that totally makes sense, right? Because we've got Galaxy's Edge with Rise of the Resistance. We've got Toy Story Land with Slinky Dog Dash. And we've got Runaway Railway, which really had been open, what, like a month before the parks closed? It felt like we were we were just reading those uh, opening day reactions from Runaway Railway when, uh, when everything was shut down. So certainly that... Uh, that excitement hasn't gone anywhere. And then, of course, you know, just Hollywood Studios is the smallest of all of the parks within Disney World, which just helps everything feel a little bit more cramped, which, I don't know, I definitely I definitely read and heard a lot of people saying like, hey, you know, if like social distancing is an important, you know, part of your experience and it's something you feel like you need right now, uh, don't come to Hollywood Studios. So, you know, that 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 was a little concerning for me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about you, Henry. Well, I was wondering if, if like, um, I mean, it is a smaller park. I wonder if their, uh, their crowd uh, levels, like, uh, you know, their numbers are, like, are they staying consistent? Are they using the same numbers for, uh, that they use for, uh, Disney World with Hollywood right. Studios. So, of course, being a smaller park, they're using those same numbers. Yeah, it's it's going to be more uh, people. Yeah. It's going to be more crowded. Or did they adjust for that? But I could definitely imagine that they would hit those numbers for sure on uh, Hollywood Studios since that is, is the park uh, that has gotten the most, like, latest updates in the in the newest ride so of course everybody yeah. wants to go there uh so yeah it doesn't surprise me but yeah it does concern me if like if they're talking about like especially in florida with the the outbreak that they're having and then you're not able to like if people aren't properly social distancing yeah they're definitely going to get a outbreak uh you know, track to Walt Disney World or Hollywood Studios. So, yeah, at this point, it's kind of like we'll see what what happens after that first day and those numbers, and see what people say this coming up week and these next following couple of weeks. Like, if it dies down more, because I definitely believe for that first day, for sure, it's going to be uh, super crowded and and uh, busy. Because everything wow. on the first day, you know, uh, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, it is concerning for sure. Yeah. And I, I you know, I don't, I, it definitely is going to come down to just how those crowds are managed, right? Because certainly, I mean, again, there's like a certain amount of park passes that are available. And, and to your kind of question, that definitely was a thought on, on, in my mind as well. I think it was a thought in a lot of people's mind was like, hey, so are we, is this the same amount of people that we're letting into bigger parks? Because, of course, that's going to be an issue. And, you know, unfortunately, we just don't. Disney has no, they're not releasing numbers. They're not saying what percentage of capacity they're 
opening up. So your guess is as good as mine. Um, but you know, it, it definitely seems like, I mean, those reservations are booked solid through like, what was it like mid August at this point, if not later for Hollywood studios. So, I mean, that park is going to be at capacity pretty consistently for a while now. And to your point, makes sense. Like it's got the stuff that everyone wants to check out, uh, including stuff that like few people probably did get a chance to check out, like with uh, Mickey and Minnie's runaway uh, railway. So yeah, I mean, that demand is definitely there. So, you know, they got to figure something out because, you know, that argument of, Hey, we're doing everything we possibly can to ensure social distancing and everything, everything like that. Dude, that goes out of the way if you're having consistent situations daily where you're not allowing people to social distance, you're not providing enough space for people to do that. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I know that uh, I think it was Disney Food Blog was like calling out about how just like the way that the park is constructed does just naturally have a lot of choke points. So, you know, even from just like a even just from an organizational standpoint, it's hard to think about what they could do, but you know, I mean, I would, I would be very surprised if they start reducing capacity more like that seems like that's all that you can't put that genie back in the bottle now. Right. So it almost seems like maybe they should have started even lower again. If they, if they had just matched all the parks equally, they should have started lower to match the smaller space and then dialed up from there. But you know, it seems like this park anyway is having the opposite <laughs> feeling of all the other parks, which is like everyone across the board is just being like, wow, it's we've never seen it this empty before. Um, I think that the general consensus of Hollywood Studios is like, yeah, it's definitely much lighter than what we've what we would normally see. But like it is the most normal park crowd that we've seen, um, you know, since this reopening, which is concerning. Yeah. I mean, it, I imagine it's possible that, uh, you know, you may start to get people who got reservations like drop out, but I doubt that number is going to shy too far from that. If people yeah. went through the hassle of, of getting those reservations and doing everything yeah. that they can to make the, make their trip happen. Yeah. It's, it is very concerning. So, um, I think this is one of those times where, yeah, it may be, you know, how are you feeling about this since your trip is technically coming up? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, so like I, like I said, it's, it's, it, that's concerning in general, but you know, I mean, just even, I don't even have to get into the nitty gritty of the specifics of parks right now. I mean, like the prospect of traveling to, you know, one of the epicenters of, of a pandemic, um, you know, from, from the perspective of the world, like it's Florida right now is one of the worst places in the entire world in terms of new cases being reported daily. So, uh, you know, there's also, it sounds like for the most part, relatively significantly high, uh, percentage of positive tests that are coming in. So it's not just like there's a lot of people getting the uh, the virus um, or there's a lot of people just like testing uh, in general. It just sounds like, hey, if you're being tested, you have a very high degree chance of getting it. So it, it sounds like it's still raging pretty hard in there. So, you know, if if we're 
I mean, there's just no way that I'm I'm going to travel into something like that. Like that just would be, I think, I feel personally like that would be irresponsible, especially since that would involve me getting on an airplane, flying to Florida, spending, you know, like six days at the park and then getting back on an airplane, coming back home. Uh, you know, I guess I could self quarantine myself for two weeks uh, that is that, that starts getting logistically difficult. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just don't, uh, you know, unless things dramatically improve, uh, I, I can't see that I'm going to go on this trip at the end of August. I would just say like, you know, at least my mindset is every single day that, that I see that number spiking higher in Florida is a, is one day that like, you know, it's, 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 it's just one day inching closer to me canceling the trip. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point right now where I don't really have like a pressing need to cancel it until I absolutely have to, I, I have refundable airfare. I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm able to cancel my hotel up through like mid August. So, you know, I mean, whatever, I, I'm not losing anything by waiting it out, but yeah, I mean, like I said, each day we get closer to that date and those numbers are still going up uh, is just the percentage chance of me canceling is getting is getting higher and higher and higher. So, I mean, I think just mentally I'm prepared that it's just not going to happen. It'll be my second time canceling a, uh, a Disney World trip this year, but it's just the way things are going, man. <laughs> it seems like that's the way things are going. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but yeah, I don't. I don't see this happening just because I think um, I think we're going to get a lot more people testing positive and that's going to push back any travel or anything like I was hoping to be able to go to Disneyland around Halloween and like you in your trip that gets less and less a feasible and that's in October and I don't feel like that's yeah. going to happen at this point. Uh, it's hard to be confident that any of these parks are going to be, I mean, certainly the Disneyland is going to be open, but that like it's feasible to safely, uh, travel to any of these parks anytime soon. I mean, uh, you know, I guess it's one thing if you're already in Florida, maybe, or you're a local in Orlando, maybe, but you know, it's such a mess right now, just in general that, I mean, it, it legitimately feels weird even, you know, uh, getting excited and talking about these parks being open and like, such a positive way. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's, it's important to discuss kind of all sides and feelings around it, which is why that's what we're doing. But yeah, it's just, I mean, it is again, like we're, we're in such a bizarre, bizarro timeline right now where, you know, we're talking about, uh, reopening theme parks in the middle of a pandemic. It's still, still crazy, but, uh, but here we are. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate we're not talking about like how great things are going over here, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I want to be excited about, like, you know, I was, I was, you know, again, uh, in thinking about just like what would have, what could have been, you know, not only would we be celebrating the, uh, the 65th birthday of Disneyland, we are like, we would be right around the corner of, uh, I mean, actually I take that back. We would be currently celebrating also the opening of Avengers campus. Like that, that was supposed to be happening now. 
uh, you know, I, I, I had, uh, I had tickets booked to go check out Avengers campus. Uh, you know, this, uh, over the next couple of days here, I would have been doing that. So, I mean, this is, this is, you know, assuming that this upcoming Disney world rebook gets canceled, that's three Disney trips I've canceled this year so far. So yeah, yeah. I mean, what would have been, what could have been, dude, it would have been great. This was supposed to be the year of dreams, Henry. Yeah. Not so much, not so much. And, and that's, that just goes also to like, that's another thing is haven't heard anything about Avengers campus at this point. Nothing like, uh, supposedly they started construction up again. It's, some point but we've had no real like hearing anything about how it's going and when that's going to open so yeah 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 i think i think uh, honestly i I expect is and and honestly the this whole 65th birthday uh and how it was handled by disney just in terms of not really announcing anything um i think that's probably a pretty good indication that they're going to be playing things pretty close to the vest and are going to be pretty quiet about things at Disneyland until there's a, a better time frame that they can start talking about stuff because, you know, I mean, from a marketing perspective, it makes sense. They have a marketing timeline where they want people to get excited up, up, you know, leading up to the release of it and the opening of it. And if they have no timeline when the park is even going to be open, it's hard for them to think about like, well, when, when are we going to, when are we going to go live with Avengers campus? So uh, yeah, I think all of that stuff is going to be any kind of, any kind of like holiday announcements or event announcements or rescheduling announcements for any of these rides or attractions or shows that got pushed off. Like it's just, it's going to be radio silence until we have a reopening date. That's my sense. Anyway, they're just like, why bother? Why bother doing it when, when it could just, you know, all go up and smoke again? Yeah, I think they're probably going to lay low as much as possible just because I think they're also worried that, like, um, they want to be in the news for good stuff. And I think they're kind of trying to, uh, like, the fiasco of what's going on in Florida and the criticism that they're facing because they opened the park during the midst of all this you know, current outbreak in uh, in Florida. I think they're trying to kind of lay low, and, but kind of stay on your radar, but still kind of be low just so that they kind of hope that this kind of passes over. Um, but uh, I, th- I think you're right. Once they have kind of a idea of when they can like safely reopen and they get the go ahead from uh the California government that it'll like then it'll probably be full steam ahead for announcements at that point because right why waste all that you know marketing on a time when you're just getting people hyped up for nothing well it's a wait and see kind of a thing it's uh yeah i think i think it's going to be a while before we hear anything from that but we'll see man um I think there's a lot of questions with uh, with all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, like I said, it, it could also just be that legitimately Disney has decided that they want to focus as much of their PR effort, which, you know, to your point, 
is is a bit of a rocky terrain now with the uh, the reopening of Disney World. Uh, that they're just trying to focus everything they can on on not just like ensuring that it goes smoothly, but that you know there's a good PR story that's being spun from it, and you know it's there. So I'm sure they're they're working on that. But uh, yeah, but you know, and and I mean, in all fairness, you know, if if you take the fact that you know uh, Disney World is in the middle of this pandemic hot zone, I mean, again, like operationally, things are moving smoothly. They're they're still opening up parks. And generally the feedback, like like we've been saying, has been has been pretty good from people that have been on the ground. So like that's you gotta commend them to a certain degree to that. I mean, it's you know, like take the take the the moral kind of quandary out. It's uh it's 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 I guess impressive that they're able to do that. You know, Hollywood studios withstanding. Uh you know, just to just to touch back on that. I mean, you know, people were saying that on those popular rides that are new, uh, you've got, you definitely have some, it seems like these are like the first legitimately kind of Disney world expected kind of wait times that you normally would go in thinking about. Right. So you had like, you know, runaway railway, for instance, which was posting like a two hour wait time at certain points and, and, uh, and, uh, slinky dog and, and uh and like tower of terror which at points had some like pretty high wait times for rides you know over an hour so it did sound like maybe things were moving a little bit faster than those posted wait times i guess that would make sense that they need to get recalibrated to kind of how everything's going but uh but yeah i mean it does again sound like this is it's just you're gonna you know if you go to Hollywood Studios, there's kind of three major areas that people are going, and uh, if you're going to one of those more popular rides, you're gonna you're gonna have to wait for a little bit. Um, the, the good news, though, with these popular rides, again, we were talking a little bit about this last week, uh, but they announced that Rise of Resistance now is going to have three opportunities for boarding passes. Um, and it sounded like that was a positive change as you would expect, right? So that you don't have to get there right at opening. You have like 10 a.m., 2 p.m., uh, or no, what is it? 10 a.m., what was it? 10 a.m., like 1 p.m. and 4 p.m., something, something like, like that. Something like that. It's like three have, or four, somewhere around there. Yeah, that's right. So, so you had like, yeah, like three opportunities and it did sound like, uh, you know, within a minute each time. All of those passes, all of those boarding passes were gone. So you definitely still have very high interest in uh, in those boarding passes, which makes sense. But uh, but at least you have three opportunities now, as opposed to kind of one and done. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's it's definitely it's definitely an improvement, and it's nice to always see improvement to their they're they're still making like headway into like how can we improve this system so that's always positive so yeah i mean hopefully they bring that to i'm sure they'll bring that to disneyland as well yeah. since uh the whole system was initially started in uh in hollywood 
uh, studios, so it'll, it'll bring it over here to Disneyland as well, which is nice because yeah, sure. that uh, getting there by rope drop was, and then like just everybody just sitting there waiting at their phone to like get those uh, those uh, reservations is just kind of was ridiculous, <laughs> but uh, it really was the weirdest uh, thing being at Disneyland at rope drop, seeing just like tons of people there just like the park is slammed more crowded than i've ever seen it at rope drop before and then five ten minutes after rope drop the park is like empty <laughs> because like everyone who got their boarding pass got it and either kind of went back to the hotel or went home or went back to work uh, anyone that didn't have a boarding pass then had to make the call of like, well, do I stay at Disneyland or do I just like, you know, if you're an annual pass holder, you're like, maybe I just take off. Uh, but still, it was like an empty park right after that. Like everyone just flooded out. It was it was such a bizarre uh, sight to see. So, yeah, I mean, uh, just reducing the pressure, I think, is is definitely the most uh, beneficial aspect to this, even if. Even if you do, if you're one of the unlucky people that that isn't able to secure a boarding pass, the fact that you had three solid attempts to do so is it makes you feel a little bit better about it, right? I don't know. You might feel even worse if you had three and you missed <laughs> That's it true too. three times. Strike but, three. Damn. But at least your at least your odds are are higher than say if you accidentally slept in and you missed it. And, uh, and it's yeah. particularly because, you know, you know, with Hollywood studios, I'm sure more, you're going to get more cases where people traveled the long distance and with this new reservation system, they may only have one day in the Hollywood park. So like your odds of having a second day there, uh, to get a reservation are greatly reduced, so, you know, yeah, having an true. extra, like the extra two opportunities to get the boarding passes, uh, at least I think your odds are a lot better. So, but still, yeah, <laughs> there's still odds. So it doesn't mean there's a guarantee there that you're going to get it. Yeah. And, and really it's like, there's only so much that they're going to be able to do while Rise of the Resistance is in such high demand right now. And it you know, probably will be for a while, especially longer now that there's just less people kind of coming in and getting that opportunity to ride it. But, uh, but you know, it, it like I, like we were saying, it just feels better than it just the former system where here's your one shot for the day, and if you got it, great, and if you don't, you know, that's it, game over. So, uh, so you know, it's a little more, it's a little more loose, which. Which is nice, and maybe <laughs> especially in a park that's so crazy already. Yeah, maybe since there's you know fewer, you know the capacity, even though it may be more full than uh, the other parks, but since it's got a smaller capacity, maybe maybe the and it's been working longer now. Maybe the ride doesn't break down as much. So hopefully. Sounded like there were there were still quite a few breakdowns. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely more than a few kind of reports and vlogs that I saw where people were like, you know, stuck in the um, they were stuck in like the interrogation hallway 
uh, you know, the prison hallway uh, for like an hour and a half, which is <laughs> like perfect. Just what you want in nice enclosed area with hundreds of other people. Uh, exactly. Exactly what, uh, what you were hoping for. So yeah, not so great, but, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully by the time that it opens wide back up to the public, they'll, they'll have all those kinks worked out. Um, but you know, the good news, the other park that opened Epcot definitely sounded like it was quite a bit more comfortable. Of course, you have both future world and the world showcase for people to fully spread out in. And of course, what made this reopening of Epcot so unique, uh, was that, um, was that, uh, they were also kicking off their food and wine festival. Usually that happens a little bit later in the fall, but uh, but with everything else going on, they decided to move it up, which seems like a good idea. So, of course, you know, the whole appeal of this thing, is, as you well know, Henry, is uh, is just, that, you know, you, you're just snacking your way around the world. Maybe an alcoholic beverage in hand, just uh, just taking your time. It's an easy thing to get lost in because it does sound incredible, especially on like a really nice day. You know, we were talking about looking at some of these reports and still just feeling like, oh, I want this. This this is an example of something that I looked at and was like, yeah, man, this is, I want to be right here right now with like some kind of alcoholic slushy and, you know, just like snacking, snacking as we're moving along, man. Uh, again, though, with Epcot, lots of social distancing, uh, lots of face mask wearing, and all of the food and drink consumption really needed to be stationary. So I think it, uh, there were a few of those really early opening reports. It may have even been from like the cast member previews. Uh, but, you know, some of those reports were saying that, you know, people were feeling a little too comfortable and that they were walking around while eating, which meant that their face mask was off as they were going from kind of stall to stall. Um, and so even though there were like plenty of tables that were socially distanced and plenty of, they set up like a, a few indoor areas that were nice and air conditioned. So those were all set up for, for social distanced kind of eating. Um, you know, again, like the appeal of the, the thing and it wasn't necessarily encouraged, but at least early on, it sounded like it wasn't frowned upon was that, you know, you could eat and and drink with your mask off as you were moving around the park. Uh, they clamped down on that. Apparently I was reading today that they had a bunch of cast members out physically stopping people from, uh, walking and eating at the same time with their mask off and that they told them, Hey, if you want to eat, you have to be like stationary at a table, uh, no walking around with your mask off. So that was, that was, that was nice to see. And in general, it just sounded like everything else with the most of these parks anyway, where, you know, if you go in with the appropriate level of expectation, you can still have a pretty good time. Right. Yeah. Uh, but again, like you, you just have to have those expectations adjusted. Uh, I, I'm just going to put it out there. This food is so good. You should kick it to the curb and stop <laughs> and eat it so you can really like fully enjoy it. I don't think I ever yeah. really walked around and ate. I think we always went to like in both of the situations. I mean, even when when we were at the uh, Festival of Holidays and even the uh, the California Wine and uh, 
wine festival. It uh, was it uh, wine and food festival. Food and wine, food and wine festival. festival. Yeah, uh, I always like went to a table or something to like really like savor the food because it's just so good and like to walk around and eat it i mean i just i don't see how you can do that because you're not fully appreciating this food for what it is <laughs> i mean just it's yeah. it's just that good i mean you're not getting a lot i get it and a lot of it is like snackable but i mean that's just so good like the 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 fried guacamole and uh was just in the <laughs> It was just so tasty, um, but you want to make yeah. sure that you 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 sit there and appreciate it. And and the drinks, oh man, like the the alcoholic beverages and non-alcoholic beverages were so tasty, especially the ones that had like fresh fruit in them. You could actually like you yeah. could taste all the different. Uh, like uh, thankfully, I had taken medication at that time so that my sense of taste was actually <laughs> working at that time uh but uh so you could actually taste the different like melon and and fruits that were put into their drinks even with the alcohol you know that takes like somebody spent a lot of time in and you know investigating the perfect blend of these things and it was so good <laughs> Artists. Ugh. It's stuff like that that makes me appreciate the time and effort that Disney puts into like their menus and stuff. Yeah, man. Well, we've got to get you out to Epcot because for for one of these food and wine festivals, maybe once, uh, maybe next year or the year after that, once things settle down a little bit, because you know, I, I mean, this is not only is this where they started doing these food and wine festivals, but because it's all held within that world showcase and each country within that world showcase for the most part has a, as a stall, you have like significantly more options that are all kind of focused on usually like a specific type of cuisine. And then there's like a, a few other kind of wild cards all thrown in there, but you definitely have a lot more options and stalls at, uh, at Disney World, the sense that I get is like it's a little bit more hit and miss maybe than the California Adventure version because there are so many options. And California is like based on like each one of their stalls is like based around a theme, though it's not like a cultural theme as much as just kind of like a culinary theme. But uh, but yeah, man, it's it's really like you I, there are people, plenty of people. Uh, and, and, you know, that just spend the day at the world showcase, just going around doing the food. Oh, I can believe it. That's all, that's all they do for the day, man. I yeah. believe it. And, and that is, that has always been kind of the appeal for me for going to, to Epcot is, is seeing the different, uh, the world showcase, seeing the different, the different, uh, countries representations and stuff. Uh, it was interesting that, uh, I realized that just before the, the opening of uh, of Epcot, uh, they showed uh, on TV on CMT they showed uh, the Roseanne episodes where they went to Disney World and they went to Epcot and stuff. And it just like <laughs> and it didn't even dawn on me like oh yeah they're opening that like now so it's like it was interesting that they timed that that way, but, uh, yeah. So now with Epcot and Hollywood studios, again, 
all four theme parks, for the most part, up and running at uh, within Walt Disney World. So what better time to drop some bad news on everyone, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it is actually kind of the best time because you can just kind of slip it under the rug, which it seems like... Uh, this is maybe a, an attempt to do, but starting over at Epcot, we have uh, Expedition Theme Park is reporting out that the Disney Cultural Representative Program has been suspended indefinitely. So for now, regular old cast members will be filling all of these roles. And so, of course, one of the, one of the appeals of Epcot is that, you know, all of these various different shops and places that are within the... Uh, the World Showcase are all staffed by actual representatives from each country that, you know, they're they're within. So gives you a bit more of an authentic uh, cultural experience when you're visiting all of these places. But uh, but that was definitely a bummer. I know we were talking a while back about how they were starting to accept those applications. Uh, I imagine with as complicated as. Uh, international travel especially countries flying into the united states and then trying to fly back uh with as challenging as that is right now it might make a little more sense why uh why they're canceling this for the time being yeah i mean it makes total sense because i mean they're you know other countries are clamping down on us traveling there and and then uh you know we've there have been a bunch of things happening even in here in the u.s that has been making traveling out here difficult um unfortunately it's it totally makes sense that you know and also just for safety's sake you know flying as <laughs> you put it is is a danger at this point because you're in an enclosed area for a prolonged time with a bunch of people that you could be carriers and you just don't know and especially how uh these uh i mean i guess there's no real way you can properly social distance on a plant on a plane and uh so yeah it, it's not really safe to be doing that long distance of travel so it, it, it yeah. totally makes sense uh and it is unfortunate yeah, yeah totally man i mean again like I guess now is the time to do it because, you know, I don't think anyone is traveling to any of these parks right now expecting a, a things to be normal and just a normal Disney experience. So, you know, if there was ever a time where maybe people would be very accepting of it, now is when it is. But, you know, too 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 bad for sure, especially with the uh, Food and Wine Festival going on. But, uh, yeah, not, not totally unexpected, clearly. Um <clears throat> So also being reported by WDW News Today, it sounds like we are starting to see some of those budget cuts that were promised by Bob Chapik uh, as a result of these extended closures. So that, uh, so that previously announced three-level festival pavilion in Epcot Sounds like that might be getting the axe, or at least it's on the chopping block. So we'll just have to have to wait and see. It did look very cool. They had a bunch of art renderings of it previously when they had announced it. So, uh, so again, that's just a wait and see. No official confirmation on that. But what Disney did confirm is that both the Spaceship Earth re-imaging 
and that Mary Poppins attraction that they announced at D23 last year uh, have been postponed indefinitely. So, uh, you know, we briefly kind of wondered about this Spaceship Earth uh, reimaging and refurb and if it was ever actually going to happen now that they pretty much uh, reopened Spaceship Earth as it was. Sounds like it It may be a while, and and honestly, this sounds like some of these kinds of uh, postponements that are just per, uh, just perpetually postponed, and then you just never hear about again. It's possible. The, the Mary Poppins one is a bummer, and, and to be clear, too, you know, they've got this Epcot experience within Epcot that kind of shows you these models of, of what uh, the future plans for Epcot are going to be, and initially you did have uh, a little model made up of that cherry uh, tree lane area of that was coming to Epcot. That's gone right now, so not in the current vision of Epcot, so the idea that it's postponed is, again, like... I'd be surprised if we end up seeing that. Sounded cool, uh, but I mean, maybe it's better to happen now when we really don't have that many details. So, uh, so we're not too disappointed. Uh, and then Epcot isn't the only location that we are starting to see these cuts. Uh, again, WDW News Today is also reporting that Disney is sending out a memo to cast members confirming that the Rivers of Light and Primeval Whirl at Animal Kingdom and Stitch's Great Escape at the Magic Kingdom are being permanently closed. So these aren't like super well-loved attractions. I don't know how, I don't know if there's going to be too many tears shed. I think we had word early on previously that Rivers of Light, which is kind of the nighttime spectacular at Animal Kingdom, was going to get replaced. But, uh, but uh, you know, now that for the foreseeable future anyway, there isn't any nighttime performances anyway, uh, it probably just makes sense that <laughs> just cut it now. So, uh, you know, they, they, can just, they can just be done with it and start moving towards uh, whatever that next iteration of their their nighttime show is going to be. And then both Primeval Whirl and Stitch's Great Escape were, they had kind of been upgraded or downgraded, I should say. Definitely not upgraded, but they had been downgraded to seasonal attractions, which uh, which kind of was a little bit of writing on the wall. That uh, Stitch's Great Escape is a funny one because that was that was like universally one of the most hated attractions in, in certainly Magic Kingdom, if not all of Walt Disney World, but did you ever hear about uh, or, or or see anything about Alien Encounter, Henry? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I might have experienced it. it, it, it I might have gone to Alien Encounter. Oh yeah, so it was like it was it was this like one of the lesser successful collaborations between uh, George Lucas and uh, Disney at the time, but. It was uh, it was this kind of scarier, more kind of made for older kids attraction where like there was this uh, alien, you know, you'd go into this kind of circular theater and you'd be strapped down into your seat. And there was an alien that was supposed to be warped into the center of the uh, of the area. And then it gets loose and they have all these effects that play that make it sound like the aliens running around. And then right at the end, they're able to. Uh, they're able to capture it and everyone's okay. But it was definitely one of the more intense rides and probably a little bit too intense. And so they rethemed it to uh, 
to Lilo and Stitch with Stitch's greatest uh, Stitch's great escape, and and again, generally not very well loved. So, um, interesting piece of trivia for Alien Encounter, I guess. When uh, Michael Eisner had come in and was looking at different properties that they wanted to incorporate into the park that were kind of non Disney properties, it's when you got like Star Tours and Indie and you know, Twilight Zone and a bunch of stuff like that. I guess for Alien Encounter, they had wanted the Alien franchise to be represented. And so initially this was supposed to be an Alien movie experience uh, where it was like, you know, the H.R. Geiger, (laughs) Ridley Scott, like Alien. And uh, apparently they had gotten like the rights and everything. and And then at some point realized like, you know, Maybe a hard R movie is not the direction we want to go for a uh, our castle theme park here. Yeah. Well, I, I I did I did now that I think about it, I did go on the Alien Encounter, and it was kind of a a weird experience to be in for uh, a Disney because I mean it's for one thing it's not it wasn't at the time it was like this is not a there's nothing like tying this to any kind of Disney franchise. So it's kind of like off that. And then, uh, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, I guess I didn't really like, it didn't, it didn't wow me. It didn't. And it didn't like impress itself about uh, on me that much that I would remember a lot about it. (laughs) But yeah, I do. I do remember it Uh, when I was looking at pictures of, of the stitch, uh encounter i was like wow that looks familiar but i know i haven't been on anything uh i know i haven't been on the lilo and stitch uh well the stitch encounter so yeah i see why it got uh rethemed <laughs> but uh yeah totally i i uh i did not get a chance to check out either and i mean it's not i would have liked to have checked out alien encounter it was i guess it was initially supposed to come to disneyland and then Obviously, it was just it with it being too intense, and they shifted focus elsewhere. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like at least with Stitch we're missing much. Uh, Primeval Primeval World is an interesting one. I think it it basically is Goofy Sky School, but just with a little bit of a different theming, and the cars actually at various points kind of spin um, as if Goofy Sky School needed an extra element of motion that uh that is one brutal wild mouse coaster yeah man. it's <laughs> uh yeah i'm not i'm not a big fan of goofy's sky school so i i doubt i would have been a fan <laughs> of well I, I think it looked like the 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 cars are are bigger than the goofy sky school i think the problem with goofy sky school is that car is so small it feels like you can really like fall out of that sucker but i think the the medieval world was a bit bigger car so primeval world yeah primeval world there you go uh but again i haven't been on on uh primeval world so i i don't know for sure myself i can't speak from uh, experience, but I can, I could see where, where, why it wasn't, uh, why it was closed. <laughs> it's not a great, not a great loss. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, but again, we're starting to see some of these cuts come through. So right now it's kind of the, I don't know about obvious contenders, but it's the ones that probably people are going to care the least about. Um, hopefully it stays that way and we don't start seeing cuts to, uh, to some, 
some rides that people really, really are passionate about. Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, Hollywood Studios and Epcot, though, they weren't the only parks to open over this past weekend. We also had Disneyland Paris Resort with its two parks begin to welcome guests back also on the 15th. So uh, we have those same health and safety policy updates that were in place, same reduction to park capacity, same restrictions on parades and nighttime fireworks. The main difference that we saw, it seems like, out of Disneyland Paris were uh, these, uh, instead of these meet and greets, uh, we're seeing what they're called selfie spots. So unlike kind of what we're seeing in the U.S., where meet and greets have kind of turned into either these kind of character cavalcades where, you know, they'll have these like small processionals that'll kind of cruise throughout the park with some of your favorite characters uh, at just random points throughout the day, or you have kind of these I don't know if what you would say like interactive character experiences. So like the evil stepsisters on the castle or, you know, one of the cooler, uh, more unique character interactions at Epcot was like Winnie the Pooh was out um, in a fenced off area trying to catch butterflies with a net. You know, it's a little more the characters are kind of acting in their element or, or just at least acting as real characters for the most part. And seems like these selfie spots, at least from what I could tell, were a little kind of like somewhere in between what you would expect a traditional meet and greet and these kind of more interactive um, interactions are. So it looked like you had you had these characters either kind of up on maybe a stage that was like relatively highly themed or maybe, you know, like the one that they showed at the entrance to Disneyland Paris was you had like Daisy Duck in the gazebo. And she was kind of dancing with the music and posing and you could kind of take pictures of her or you could do kind of distanced selfies, which is kind of what they're pushing. Um, so so it did make me kind of think, though, like, what is the experience that we would really want for Disneyland when it does open? Like, do you have a preference between the two, Henry? Uh, I think I like the idea of them being animated uh, than them just kind of standing there just uh you know waving at people um yeah because it it seems like at least if they're being animated it's kind of uh i mean you can still get the kind of wave but you know it's it's a little fun to just watch as it is other than like if it's just if they're just standing there like waving at you or something you take a picture and you go about your business but if if they're like being animated you may just sit there to watch kind of a little bit of a show uh, in of itself so uh, maybe you don't even want to take a picture but you stay to little watch the show so i think i like the the idea of it being animated it's a uh, it's it's a bit more um uh, more animated you know yeah. like you said so it's like it's, more immersive yeah yeah it feels more of character and less dry. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, it's something that we've seen for a while now anyway. I mean, it's one of the distinguishing factors of Disneyland versus Disney World, where traditionally anyway, Disney World meet and greets were very much kind of like, hey, we have the princess area where the princesses kind of rotate in and you wait in line and you 
kind of uh, when it's your turn, you come up with the kind of royal backdrop and you take a picture and then you're on your way and you can wait in another line in some other area of the park for another character. So it's very kind of regimented where those character meet and greets are. And at Disneyland, you do have kind of like a ge- like general areas where characters are going to be, but they are in character for the most part, right? And they are kind of in their appropriate areas. So it's like in Fantasyland, around where Alice in Wonderland and the spinning teacups are, like there's a decent chance from time to time that you're going to see like Alice and the Mad Hatter wandering around and interacting with guests and pretending to be Alice and the Mad Hatter. And, you know, there's always that kind of traditional cutesy picture that pops up of like sometimes Alice and the Mad Hatter hop into a spinning teacup with guests and interact with them there too. So, uh, you know, it's, it's like Captain Hook will just be kind of like wandering through fantasy land with, uh, Peter and Wendy there too. And, you know, you just have that, those kinds of interactions that, uh, that you see pretty regularly that aren't very much kind of like, Hey, this is a meet and greet area. Yeah. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting to see how they do that because again, like that is just what they've done at Disneyland and there aren't those kinds of areas that are roped off in the same way. Like we don't necessarily have those same spaces. So I imagine that they're going to either build something temporarily or I don't know, have them a little bit more restricted at the very least. Yeah. I mean, they, like you said, and particularly with the uh, villain characters, they've always been very kind of animated and, uh, and in character, uh, particularly like, you know, like yeah. uh, a Gaston will, you know, he walks around and talks about how how big he is uh, and how muscular he is, which is always funny because the guy is smaller than myself. So it's like he's walking around. <laughs> I know you're impressed by my size. Not really but uh but yeah i know it's in character uh but it's fun i think actually one of my favorites is uh evil queen mm, yeah she's good she is the best she is the best man if you see like those videos of her just clapping back and just sassing up the entire area it's like yeah that person's having a good time you can tell yeah evil queen was was good for sure um but you also had um I know we had uh, uh, Doctor um, Facilio was was really good too, and he was like talking a oh, whole yeah. whole yeah, bunch. He was. <laughs> he was he was talking a bunch of trash to people, <laughs> and uh, he was pretty good. Um, I think just pretty much the villains were so good because they could be they could yeah. be bad, you know. So yeah, they play it up. Definitely. Uh, you also had, um, oh, um, Cruella DeVille. She was really good, too. Yeah, so, she's great. Uh, I don't know. But. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it really will be interesting to see how they, um, how they kind of structure it. Because there aren't a ton of those kind of out-of-the-way areas. And there aren't those kinds of platforms that you can kind of station characters in. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to be. I mean, I'm sure it won't be quite as interactive, but yeah, I, I agree. I hope it's, I think, I think Walt Disney World is doing things in the right direction. And, you know, if anything, they're kind of taking a page out of Disneyland's book. So hopefully, 
you know, we can, we can, we can do the same. So, you know, as, as things go with the good comes the bad. So unfortunately we do have some not so great news from, uh, from another international Disney park, uh, after being open for less than a month, Hong Kong Disneyland just announced that they will be once again, closing the park back down. So this closure was announced as part of a larger government order limiting gatherings to 50 people or less, all as Hong Kong's COVID cases have continued to rise. So uh, Asia Times has reported that Hong Kong had 41 new positive reports on the day that this closure of Hong Kong Disneyland was announced. Uh, to put this into perspective, though, uh, the state of Florida had over 11,000 new positive reports uh, as of Friday the 17th, so, uh, uh, or just on Friday the 17th uh, by itself. So um, definitely, uh, you know, little little disparity there, but, uh, but yeah, unfortunately, man, that's pretty brutal. Less than a month. Well, I mean, that's just showing like how serious that Hong Kong is is taking like any kind of like uh, new outbreaks. They're really clamping down on this stuff, whereas here in the U.S., that would be if it was just 50, that would be a relief. <laughs> but Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully that can happen soon over there, and uh, and that park can can reopen again. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun little neat aspects specifically to Hong Kong Disneyland. Obviously, there's a lot of construction going on there. Uh, again, they have that new castle that is it looks like it's pretty near completion. Um, so yeah, hopefully things can get moving back again soon for them. Um, and finally. So we're going to end with Disney park attendance for 2019. I know the, the most exciting thing ever right now, right? <laughs> uh, so Henry, take yourself back to that simpler time of 2019. Back to our normal, boring, everyday timeline where you were still allowed to rummage through the pickle cart and find the biggest, juiciest, crunchiest one of them all. Are you there? You're back there? What do you mean? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm eating a pickle right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Always. So here on the West Coast, we had Galaxy's Edge open, and then we had the first full year in the continued expansion of Pixar Pier. Looking at the East Coast parks, really, specifically Hollywood Studios, again, the park has been growing like crazy, also Galaxy's Edge, and then they had their first full year of Toy Story Land as well. Despite all of this, though, the Themed Entertainment Association's Annual Theme and Museum Index for 2019 has Disney park attendance largely flat when compared to the previous year, 2018. Uh, it, the range was Hollywood studios experienced the most growth as you would expect at 2% versus Shanghai Disneyland at the bottom, which experienced at the, which experienced the least growth at negative 5%. And for, uh, 
and just specifically for those West, for our, for our West Coast parks. So both Disneyland and California Adventure both had no growth at all, 0%. So this kind of surprised me with, with all of these major hyped additions, especially Galaxy's Edge. I would have thought that, that at the very least, you know, you would have seen some, some sizable increases in attendance. Clearly we didn't. Uh, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on this, Henry? Like, did this shock you too? Were you surprised by this? Um, I don't know if I'm surprised. Um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I think, uh, when it comes to attendance, I, I don't know. I, I'm oftentimes I'm shocked, but then, then I'm not so much. I don't know. There's just so many factors <laughs> when you when you talk about attendance. There's just so many factors that come into play that uh, you know. I don't know. It's it's just so difficult to kind of like gauge things. Uh, you know. Yeah. Plus, I mean, especially when you look at like the different areas. You know, like, I mean, California is what I'm more familiar with. So when you want to talk about like Disney World, I'm, I'm, you know, because that factors in like international travel more and, and, and yeah. more tourism based stuff. But then also like an area that is rife with more huge theme parks, you know, it's kind of hard to say like, you know, in, in California, given there are more theme parks in that area, I mean, there's Knott's Berry Farm, and then there's like Universal Studios Hollywood, but those Knott's Berry Farm and and Universal Hollywood are far smaller uh, theme parks, so you can kind of like eh. yeah. So I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to gauge things. I seem to always be wrong. It's like me in in when it <laughs> comes to dealing with uh, automotive issues. I always say it's one thing. I always bet the what's breaking down or what's causing the issue is one thing. It always winds up being something else. Uh, it is. <laughs> I just can't call it. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, okay, we 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 can stick at least on the West Coast then, since that's where, um, I, I mean, that's where both of our base of of real kind of, I don't know if you'd say expertise, but certainly like our high degree of familiarity is mostly. But uh, you, know, I mean, again, it's like, so I guess the perspective you could look at it. You're right. Is, um, you know, there's two reasons to build. Uh, to kind of expand, right? You either are expanding because you want to bring more people in and you want more places for people to go so that you're not like spiking and having like major weights everywhere. Like you just need capacity for people to go to, or you're just trying to kind of maintain, right? Because um, as you pointed out time and time again, it's like the way that, at least, uh, you know, excitement and crowds work with new attractions is it's there's high excitement. A lot of people are really pumped about it. A lot of people come and want to see it uh, early on, and then that crowd starts to die off, right? Yeah. And so, 
Uh, and so part of it is just like you always want to, as that crowd is dying off, you want like the next big shiny thing to keep them moving towards, right? Yeah. So in this case, it's, you know, uh, they had Rise of the Resistance that kind of opened after Galaxy's Edge uh, and Smuggler's Run. So that was kind of the next bright and shiny object on the West Coast. Again, like the idea was that Avengers Campus would be the next big shiny thing that would kind of help to uh, kind of move people over to California Adventure, but then also kind of free up a little bit of extra capacity for Rise of the Resistance. And so um, so you're right. I mean, just staying steady might be a good thing for sure. Um, it just is always surprising to me when something as hyped as Galaxy's Edge does open up and you don't see just more people flocking to it. It's just like a weird thing for me. I don't know. Like, again, it's just, it. you're right. Like business wise, who knows, but just from just like a crowd ramifications and just, and just like a crowd perspective, it seems like you would, and I, I mean, we didn't see, oh, fairness, we did not see Rise of Resistance in 2019 in California. Did see it on the East Coast late in 2019. It's like November. So, uh, so yeah, so that didn't really have much of an effect on things. But still, do you remember when Galaxy's Edge was being uh, hyped up and announced? And there were just like local news stories, national news stories, like everyone was talking about well, it. Well, I think the thing you also have to remember is um, something that I think a lot of people like also dismiss is that I think a lot of people were excited for Galaxy's Edge, but because of the hype around it, a lot of people held off on going to it, I believe, because they figured, hey, it's going to be super crowded, so I'm going to hold off on going until after like they have more stuff like Rise of the Resistance. I know people were waiting for Rise of the Resistance, and then they would make their trip. Uh, I, I had a friend yeah. who was like that. Like He really, really wanted to go, and while his, uh, his daughter went with uh her cousins and his, his their grandparents and her uh aunt took them uh for one day um he was waiting to take a, a trip later on after rise of resistance a, a bigger trip uh once that opened up because he figured like right now there wasn't really much in galaxy's edge for him to see and experience because he's not necessarily interested in buying the merch but he wants to ride the rides and so he was holding off for crowds to die down before he went and unfortunately <laughs> by the time the crowds were starting to die down maybe and even when not even so much because rise of resistance built up a, a, a bunch of more hype around it so i don't know if you necessarily like it's weird because you say that it's it's hasn't the attendance hasn't increased but it's possible that yeah it hasn't increased but then it it hasn't decreased it didn't decrease as well so maybe if it wasn't for galaxy's edge you might have seen park attendance decreasing uh but Good point yeah. But then again, it's, it was a good potential without the the COVID uh, issue coming out this year. This year was primed to be a huge year for Disneyland because you, ha you would have had yeah. 
uh, Rise of the Resistance open up and people would have been far enough along where maybe like once Avengers Campus opened up, you're going to have people hyped up for that and going to see that, which would have probably thinned the crowds in Galaxy's Edge for sure. So you have people coming to visit who didn't get a chance to check out Galaxy's Edge and maybe hoping to get a check out uh, Avengers Campus. But, you know, I think... Uh, of course, COVID threw like a monkey wrench in that. So, I guess if we get COVID under under wraps, twenty twenty one could be huge for Disney. Yeah, maybe. I I mean, you know, but then you also do hear a lot of these warnings that like tra- travels are going to take time to come back, right? Well, I think uh, well because Disneyland is a more locals park you can it's a little bit easier for people to get to so like you know we live in california but it's still a ways away but i drive to to disneyland so uh it's it's easier for me to get to that i think the the one i think the most important impact well the hardest impact that's going to be on disneyland and on and the disney parks is is the financial ramifications of COVID. So like, I mean, even though like people are, you know, as like, you know, people lost their jobs. So, and even though people have lost their jobs and things are going to get tighter, the cost to going to see, going to Disneyland isn't getting cheaper so uh, unless, I mean, I think that's something that Disney may have to take a hard look at coming into 2021 is that, you know, <laughs> you know they're them. not. But I mean, they'll take a hard look at it right before they jack up those. Prices. Well, I mean, but we'll have to see what I mean. They're I mean, yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's something I think they. We're in the COVID timeline, my friend. It's uh, you know, it's gonna it's, be bad. it's it's gonna be bad. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, you know, less people are gonna be able to go, can afford to go. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. And then where's Disney at? I mean, you can keep your prices where they're at, and you'll see fewer people. I mean, I just I don't know if that they're gonna be happy with that, or you can lower your prices. You'll see more people who can eventually be able to afford to go. But uh, I don't know. Maybe instead of like necessarily lowering their prices, they have more fewer. They have more not peak days, so their prices are lower. But they didn't actually have to change their pricing. Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, man. All I know is that they, at least at Disney World. Uh, because they obviously have not talked about what the strategy is going to be at Disneyland. But at Disney World, I mean, they're booking reservations, right? So this park pass system where uh, they are limiting capacity, they are doing that through September 2021 right now. So, I, I mean, I have to imagine that they'll probably do something very similar at Disneyland. Now, of course, that that means that they could totally then at some point in the future decide that they can increase more capacity and and open up more park passes but i mean from their perspective it seems like they are planning on keeping capacity reduced for a while for over a year now so 
Yeah, I mean, I at that and if that's the case, I mean again, like at Disneyland, if we're just sticking with Disneyland here, it being a, it being, you know, majority of the guests are annual pass holders, it, you know, it'll be a question of like are you going to pay more for your annual pass each year? Uh, and everybody always does and everybody always complains about it and it might it, honestly it might not even be as much of an issue this year because you know right now like i'm at what they're adding 5 months to my pass <laughs> so like you know the longer it goes the more months are going to be added to the end of my pass so like 2020 at this point i uh, you know going into 2021 like a majority of 2021 might already be paid for for me like i might not i might not have to pay anything extra for it so you know i don't know we'll see yeah i mean that might be uh, a thing for people so yeah maybe it is so yeah. i don't know i mean 2021 may still be a, a good great year but uh We'll have to see. I mean, yeah. it's it's always tricky to see how park attendance is because, like I said, I can't gauge this stuff. I mean, I, I say one thing, and then the next day, like, news comes out. Oh, I was completely off my rocker here. So uh, <laughs> I, just, I just see it, uh, well, how, you know, it always feels like – I hate to uh, – I'll just say this. Whenever I go there, it seems like they are hopping with business. It's always like – it's, yeah. It definitely does not feel like uh, they are hurting for uh, guests to attend the park. So, um, if anything, yeah, yeah. maybe they are staying flat because they've hit, like, just they're just getting so many more people in at this point. Uh, staying flat is a good thing. They're not losing anybody. So, that's definitely something that would be like concerning if they were losing people and you know i imagine they are going to lose people this year just because but i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, oh yeah but uh but i mean if if they're staying flat at least that's still a good thing because if they're losing then then there's there's some concern yeah yeah right and and again like it might be the fact that they raised the park prices um, I mean, certainly means that they have more money coming in per ticket versus, you know, uh, how it was previously in 2018. Of course, you know, Galaxy's Edge doesn't pay for itself. I, my thing just kind of boils down to like, dude, it's you've got over like 100 new acres in that park. Uh, so I guess that just means that it's just a little bit more spread out, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you just would assume if they're adding all this additional space that they're hoping to fill it up and uh fill up everywhere else too but you know i don't know maybe not i mean regardless so yeah you're right like this year has completely thrown everything out of whack i can't imagine that uh they're going to be taking any kind of attendance numbers this year's and, and doing much with them so you know maybe 2021 probably for sure 2022 they'll be looking to to really get back on track but yeah i don't know i mean big part of this is going to be vaccine right if we're still dealing with covid in uh 2021 certainly the early parts of it uh you're going to start seeing that affected as well (laughs) because i think there's just a large portion of people that aren't going to go anywhere near a disney park until there's some kind of vaccine or things are really really tamped down on yeah i mean 
again, it is what it is, but you know, we're all, I'm all hoping to go. So, I mean, it's not like they've lost me. If there's, if there's any kind of way I can make it down there and, and even <laughs> making multiple trips, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, hey, man, uh, well, uh, you know, not to end again, we we make a joke about this, but we seem to end always on downer notes. The, a piece of hope that I will add is that I did see that a um, bunch of people that were in downtown Disney today did spot that there had been a little bit of construction work at the entrance to California Adventure where they've started installing plexiglass barriers in between each of the ticket stalls. So movement, movement towards reopening. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> not much of a big, well, deal, I huh? mean, it just makes me want to go all that much more. I mean, it's everything is kind of like, just like salt in the wound. Like I want to go, but I can't go. And then, you know, every little thing that reminds me that Disney is like, I can't go or, or how much I want to go. It's just, it's just kind of salt in the wound. I mean, given I love talking about Disneyland, but I prefer going to Disneyland. Uh, So, (laughs) or, or the best is to talk about Disneyland while I'm at Disneyland. So, uh, (laughs) and, and the, uh, and getting, uh, going and, and getting my, uh, reserves of pickles, <laughs> you know, yeah. is something I, I enjoy doing. So have you thought about what that experience is going to be? I know that like, um, I know that, you know, a lot of the snack carts at and throughout Disney world have been closed. Like usually the only kind of snack carts that are open are like the occasional popcorn stand uh, the occasional drink cart, and then everything else is like table service or quick st- or quick service. Oh man, don't do this to me now, man! Come on, man. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, like, have you thought about? Because it is obviously curious, I like, have not. Is, I, mean, <laughs> I, I wrote the I wrote that intro thinking about like what is the new pickle procedure going to be? Oh man, I haven't even really thought of that because. Uh, I mean, I guess at the the best, I guess I may have to hope for is that they have some kind of like pre-order system where you can order and just pick it up. But then, but I highly doubt uh, that they'll have yep. that going. And then two, I don't want somebody else picking my pickle for me. I like to like pick the pickle myself. So I'm getting the best pickle, you know, it's just like when I go somewhere to like, I, I don't, I purposely don't have grocery stores pick my fruit. Cause I'm very picky about my, my produce. So it's like, uh, you know, now you do this, man, you're just like, God, man, you're killing me tonight. Well, so do you want, you want my prediction? Okay. Give me a prediction. I predict that. I, and I feel pretty good about this prediction. I know that I've had some out there predictions before, but again, this is in the spirit of like, this was supposed to be the year of dreams, which means 
that the next year is probably going to be like the year of dreams doesn't go away. It just gets pushed off to a little bit later, but it is coming. So this falls within that. Okay. So the new pickle procedure, you said you want to make sure to pick out your pickle. This covers that. Basically, it will be the equivalent of a lobster tank where you choose your lobster, but instead of lobsters, it will just be like, you know, 50 pickles just soaking in brine and you get to kind of take your time. You get to peruse from the outside of the pickle tank, just kind of size everything up, take a look at it, see it from a few different angles. And then you point to the one that you want. Pickle vendor goes in with some tongs or something like that, grabs it out. You can look at it. You can ask to, to inspect it a little bit closely, but you can't, you got to at least be six feet. I, listen, I don't know. These are these are all details that can be figured out later. But regardless, you get to choose the pickle that you want from the pickle tank. And then the person uh, handles it for you, takes it, wraps it, gives it to you. Boom. All done. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know if you'll get a pickle tank. But actually, that that does sound like doable, that they may still bag them up. But you just have to look at them from a distance and they'll pull it out for you and, and hand it to you. You're just kind of stuck with them handling it and handing and and giving it to you. So listen, with all of these cancellations happening right now, I'm going to bet that there's a few Imagineers looking for things to do. So I think this pickle tank is the way to go. It is the solution for some ridiculously smart, ingenious Imagineer to figure out and make a reality like i want to see on on season two of imagineering story i want to see the pickle tank story well what they're going to do is they they turn it into uh they found another way to to make a little money and that they instead of outright buying a tickle a pickle you wind up buying uh uh like token to play the pickle crane game <laughs> that's how you you get your pickle Henry, I don't know if you made that slip mistakenly or if that was like <laughs> Freudian or intentional, but the idea of free tickles with your pickle <laughs> sounds incredible. I think that's it. I think that's it. Year of dreams, baby. 2021. Here we come. Pickle tank with a free tickle. Well, that just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been episode 25 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, I'll talk to you next week, big guy. See you later, everybody. See you, man. Bye. Pickle and a tickle. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>